The reading tonight is from Exodus chapter 19, verses 16 through chapter 20, verse 21. It's a long one. (laughs) On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. And Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. And also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out upon them. And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for thou thyself didst charge us, saying, Set bounds about the mountains, and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, Go down, and come up, bringing Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the inequity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your manservant or maidservant, and your cattle or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God gave you. You shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant, or maidservant, or his ox, his ass, or anything that is your neighbor's. Now when all the people perceived the thunderings and the lightnings and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood afar off and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will hear, but let not God speak to us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, 
Do not fear, for God has come to prove you, and that the fear of him may be before your eyes, that you may not sin. And the people stood afar off, while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. The word of the Lord. God has not always been like this. I mean, like the way God is now. God used to be different. I mean, even in the time since I've known God, God has changed. The things that God cares about have changed. I mean, God is not as like hung up on the rules in the same way that God was when I was a kid. God's not as obsessed with individual salvation the way he used to be, you know. Uh, but he used to be so worried about that. And yeah, he, he, yeah, even as recently as when I was in junior high, God was still a man. Back before God was so into, like, grace and mercy, God was really hung up on, like, righteousness, like, right behavior, you know, like, being good. And uh, I'm not saying that God has matured, or groan, or whatever, because that implies some sort of value judgment. You know, some measure of better or worse. And I, uh, I just don't think that's appropriate. I don't think it applies here. But, you know, even further back, like even before I was born, God was way different. Way different. Back before God, you know, back before God was like rational, back before God was stable, before God was reliable, trustworthy, God was sometimes a little hard to read. Yeah, like, uh, like uh, a little hard to tell uh, what was uh, going on. Like people were not always completely sure where they stood with God back then. You know, before God believed in democracy, the value of the individual and equal rights for everyone, God loved dictators and praised tyrants, and led their armies, and cheered their victories. Back before God, you know, mainly stayed in America, you know, back before God vanquished the deities of Northern and Western Europe, and was like the heart of their culture, God used to be from the East, the Middle East, from Africa. Back before God was gentle and peaceful, before God was calm and understanding, God could get really pretty volatile, violent even, destructive. I mean, loving, yes, God was always loving, because God is love, right? So whatever way God is, like, that's what it means to be loving. So God was loving, I mean, even if it doesn't always look like God's loving or look that way, like, loving is what God does. That's whatever way he's being is a loving way. Like, like, sometimes when you see how God loves people when he loves them, like, super hard back then, um, it can seem, like, pretty dark, like, pretty dysfunctional, 
that kind of love. But God, way, way back, God was like totally into the dark stuff. Like really dark stuff. Like formless and void stuff too. Like way back before there was even time. No one has any idea what God was up to. We don't know what God was doing then. I mean, God didn't even make any light back then. He was just hanging out in the dark with the formless and the void, doing who knows what. But God has really changed. And I, for one, I'm kind of glad. I mean, way back before God blessed the Prius and canvas shopping bags, before God beatified sustainable farming and the human, humane treatment of animals, God, like, almost destroyed the entire planet, killed practically all the animals and everyone but, like, 12 people, flooded the whole world. So, you know, God wasn't always the environmentalist that God is today. And didn't, like, the whole universe come into being because God liked to blow stuff up? Yeah, way back before God believed in absolute and universal truth, God was kind of all over the map about things. Back before there was an answer to every question, even back before an answer to every question was seen as a good thing, God was just, like, really mysterious. Like, mostly people didn't know anything about God, except God was God. Like, that's just what it was. There was no, you know, way to, like, know what God was like. There was not a logical definition that God must adhere to in order to qualify as God. Like, God must be all-knowing, all-powerful, omni-everything. I mean, God was pretty powerful, scary powerful. People were really afraid of God. I mean, not all the time, not all the time, but God could get pretty scary. But also, God could be like... Super nice, really nice, friendly, vulnerable. Yeah, I know, it seems contrary to the way God is now, that vulnerability. But uh, God used to be like that, really vulnerable. And not just like when God let us kill him later on, like way back after he delivered the people out of slavery in Egypt is like in the story that we just heard today God is feeling kind of like vulnerable God is like unsure of God's self you see in all the ways that God has changed over time there has always been one constant since God created people God loved us like mad just fell in love with us right away and early on God didn't really know how to be in a relationship. I mean, God had existed outside of time for I don't know how long. Just with God's self. So, you know, presumably, God just did whatever God wanted. But then God created stuff. And God really liked what he made. Then God made people and was totally smitten. But because he'd never been in a relationship before... God, like, maybe overreacted with the flood thing, I think. But God swore he'd never do it again. 
Now, even though God talked with Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and a few others, and now Moses, this is the first time that God is going to meet all the people. Israel, the people that God delivered from slavery. And God is going to propose to the people. And God is nervous. God is unsure. In the story we read today, so he's talking to Moses and he's trying to make the plans, you know? It's like that perfect proposal scenario, right? And he's checking in with Moses and he's telling him, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come down onto the mountain. This is the first time. He's going down onto the mountain. And I want you to tell the people that I will, I will be their, their guy. I mean, like God. I will be their God. And, and, um, but don't let them touch the mountain because I, I don't really know what I'm going to do. I could, like, break out. I could, like, I don't know. I just, because I don't know how I hug them too tight, you know, like a puppy and then smother them. And I don't want that. So, look, you go tell them to come up, but don't tell them to touch the thing. And then I'm going to come down to the mountain and it's going to be, and then... I will tell them that I love them, and I will tell them that I want to be their God, and they can be my people, and then we'll, we'll, we'll do it. And so um, Moses goes down there, and he does tell the people that, and they're all coming up, and they see the mountain, and it's like, all of a sudden, there's just like, it's coming down, and there's like, like smoke going everywhere, and fire shooting around, and it's like this earthquake, and it's like, the people are a little bit nervous about this. And so they stay back, and then, so Moses goes up, and Moses, you know, goes and says, you know, he says to Moses, go tell them this. And Moses goes back and tells them, I am the Lord your God. And I just have a few things, like, I want to be with you, and I have some, uh, some things I want to talk about, these, uh, these points. And he puts out what we call now the Ten Commandments, and then just like whoosh, the fire and smoke going, everything like that. And the people, I mean, isn't that awkward when somebody like proposes and they don't know if the people are going to say yes or not? The people say, Moses, how about you be the guy who just talks to God? Because we think we might die <laughs> if he talks to us. So this is what the agreement that, uh, that they come to. But God, you know, God does eventually, out of that nervousness, God does find this voice, and God does put out these, these, what, these proposals, these, these rules that God has, um, because God wants to live together with them and love them and have them love him. Now, this is sort of like, it wouldn't seem like when you're first proposing to somebody that what you would want to do is like say, I love you so much, here's my commandments. I, I don't think it would be responding well. And it's like, they, but they are like wedding vows. that They're promising how to be in relationship with each other. I mean, I think if we called wedding vows wedding commandments, I don't know how successful that would be. But in Hebrew, the way it's translated, it means not commandments. It's translated, it means more like these are ten words, it's called. Or ten sayings. Or ten matters. 
not these rules. They're like, these are ten, ten things to talk about. I think you know them, you've heard them. Um, perhaps um, someone in your family several generations back memorized them. Um, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet. Now, the first four of these sayings, words, um, are about the people's relationship with God. Don't have other gods before me, or worship idols, or take the name in vain, or, you know, and just rest on the Sabbath, because that's when we can hang out. And um, so that's all about how we, have, we love God. And then the last ones, remaining six, honor your father and mother, not murder, commit adultery, steal, bear fault, wishes, covet. These are all about how we live in loving relationships with other people in the communities that we have. So... And there's another thing you notice here. There's really no, at the end, it doesn't end with like, or else. Which we always somehow just put in there, you know? And I, I guarantee you that you did not say after your wedding vows, or else. Because it's not that kind of thing. That's not where you're focusing on here right now. God and the people, they're focusing on how they live and love and be in relationship together. They don't, there's no stated punishment or retribution. This is wedding vows, a covenant. And this is just the beginning, because after this, we just always read this part. Um, but in the Hebrew Bible, Exodus goes on, they make the covenant, it explains exactly what the covenant's going to look like, what they're going to do, and then there's all sorts of other rules and laws and sayings about how they're going to live together and everything. It goes on for quite some time. So... But yeah, so the first four are about how we love in our relationship with God, and the last six are how we love in relationship with other people, which is maybe you've read in the Gospels when rabbis or religious leaders ask Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he says the first one is to love God, and the second one, like it is to love your neighbor. That's, he's just summing up this right here. And if you obey these commandments, you will cover them all. So... You know what's kind of interesting about this? I mean, we've just come to these laws. These are the rules. These are like straight. How are we going to act? How should we be? Follow these ten things? You're perfect. It's just right on. We've thought that this is just some kind of coming to a clear understanding of how one should be and what one needs to do to be, I guess, good is kind of how we think about it. But in this context, this isn't really what this is about. You see, at this point in history... Gods didn't make laws or set out these proclamations. No, kings did, rulers did, maybe priests did, but gods did not. Gods were way far away. Gods were very separate from the people. People didn't like talk to God and reason with God and be in these relationships with God about how they're going to you know, structure and behave in their relationship. They were scared of gods. And gods didn't come down. Gods just, whatever they were feeling that day, they either like, you know, sent down a hailstorm or gave them sunshine for their crops or, you know, had 
their cattle all die, or if you're feeling good, it's good harvest. And the people never knew what was going on. The king, the um, rules for how they lived and negotiated their um, lives together, those, those rules and edicts were put down by their actual rulers, their kings and their rulers, the people who were with them, living that life with them. So we could read this as an attempt, or we have come to read this as an attempt, these Ten Commandments to just like lay down the law and so we know how to behave and we don't have to... But that's not what this is. This is really God coming down, acting more like that king or more like that, that ruler, that person who's going to be involved in their lives every day and trying to work out who did what and all the messiness that is encountered when you have people, you know, and a present God trying to live life together. This is Yahweh coming closer to the people, not separating from the people by this set of rules. It's Yahweh coming in love to the people. And like desiring this relationship with the people he created. And, but, you know, like any relationship, it's very messy. You know, it's amazing. You know, there are amazing times, but there's some hard times, too. There's some strained times. That happens. Maybe there's distance. People grow distant over time. And this is a longer relationship than I think many of us have had. And then, like, so as Christianity kind of came around and became less, less uh, maybe let's say, Hebraic and more Greek or Roman or Western, Western European rationalist kind of a bent, these ten words or matters became commandments, became these rules, became a clear understanding of how we should behave, not a point in how we have these relationships together. And um, as the Western rationalists sat down and straightened God out, and God got it together and stopped with all the moody stuff, and acted always in just ways, acted always in loving ways, and acted, had a clear line between what was right and what was wrong, and what was just and what was unjust, and when God finally got it together and got stable, God got a little bit uh, muted, I think. Once things got worked out where this is just like, you act this way, I'll act this way, God seemed to get a little bit more distant. I mean, sure, you didn't have to worry about God freaking out. But also, you didn't get, uh, you know, sometimes a little quaking is not bad in a relationship, you know? I mean, there's a lot to be said for the way God has changed. Like the peace-loving, rational, problem-solver kind of God is good. But there is something to be said about a little mystery in a relationship like smoke and fire, a little unpredictability, passion, you know, passion. I mean, even if sometimes it's a little bit scary. I mean, not knowing is a little bit scary because you know what? Ultimately, like, this isn't just like a relationship you have with somebody. 
This is like God. The creator of like, well, everything. Like just that we can breathe in and out and like things grow. We don't know any about this. This is all quite mysterious. We don't know what's behind it, but we, we do know this is always there. Is there's, it's, this is love that makes this. You know, it's Lent. And going through this process of Lent and thinking about what's coming with Good Friday, like actually God letting the ones God's love kill him. And then like coming back alive, like defeating death, like swallowing it up and saying this act is me telling you that I'll always love you. I'll always be here. Death, death, whatever you guys want to do, I, in the end, I won't let it happen. That's weird. That's crazy. The violence and then the life and Sometimes, as much as God has matured, it seems like God might be changing back.